2: bailing and everybody else takes a nasty hit car jumps to his feet and Donald Penn said I didn't like the way you treated my quarterback Marshawn Lynch actually got his hands on an official oh boy he's gonna get tossed I bet Lynch's night is over here we go third and 12 Smith unloads it and it's Oh, off the deflection by Wilson for the touchdown did that just happen? one more time to decide on the touchdown. and now for the win Hondo to snap it to King to Vecchio it all rides win oh my goodness My goodness, what a game. Derek Carr's touchdown pass to Michael Crabtree with no time on the clock, capping a 85-yard drive in the final two minutes and 25 seconds, a drive that included multiple crazy, insane things happening, (laughs) Uh, basically thinking the game was over like four separate times, Uh, In the last five minutes, one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Dan Hans is here, along with Greg Rosenthal, the Around the NFL podcast. We're going to get to all of the week seven games, uh, previewing them uh, in a moment. But first, we got to talk about this game, Greg, a game the Oakland Raiders desperately needed. And they may have saved their season against the Chiefs uh, with this 31 to 30 win And it is a game that we will all remember for
3: a very long time. I feel like the season started tonight. I mean, this was like the game that felt like when that drive started. And I wasn't the only one to make the point. I I wrote, I think, feels like the biggest drive of the whole season for any team. Because this is a team that we expected to be in the mix at the end of the year. And they needed to go make that drive to save this game. And it was a crazy 59 minutes and 30 seconds leading up into those last plays. But ultimately, I think all we're going to remember years from now, as you mentioned, are those five plays. I mean, the Raiders won it Three different times. They won it twice and celebrated <laughs> it. And the Chiefs won it twice that got turned over by penalties, both of which I think were good calls. But that I've never seen an ending like that. Not sure we ever will.
2: Uh, yes, there were seven lead changes in this game. So Most all year. you know. So, yeah, before the game ended uh, in that dramatic fashion with the touchdown and then the point after, the, the game had already swung six different times. And then there were, real quickly, we have to go through this. There were four separate... Uh, game-turning moments. So they go down the field, including converting a fourth and long near midfield. Uh, they run a very strange, I don't know if it was a busted play or the same typical uh, kind of route twice where they bunch two receivers and then kind of through almost like a Hail Mary. Carr puts it on the money, uh, and Jared Cook brings it in. It looks like they won the game. He's marked down correctly at the half-yard line upon review. Uh,
3: next play. Uh, they have and that play, just for a second, I mean, Cook, that was an unbelievable catch. It seems like Cook only makes like season-saving <laughs> catches. He did it for the Packers to beat the Cowboys. He did it on that fourth and 11 uh, yep. midway through the, that drive, which kept their season going. And then this was, Justin, a remarkable play that was correctly, you know, Marked down at the half yard line, as you mentioned. And then suddenly there's only eight seconds left. Right. In the game. And there was 18 and then it gets
2: marked down the 10 second runoff because Oakland
3: didn't have any timeouts.
2: Imagine if they got Detroit lioned in that spot. It would have <laughs> been horrible. Next play. Uh, Derek Carr targets Michael Crabtree. Game-winning touchdown again. No! It's ruled offensive pass interference. Now they're pushed back to the 11, and you think, oh, now they're screwed. They run another play with no time on the clock. Uh, Incomplete, uh, uh, caught out of bounds in the back of the end zone. No defensive holding. The game goes on. They run another untimed play. Again, an incomplete pass. This one goes goes through Jared Jared Cook's hands, but another defensive holding call. And then finally... Derek Carr takes the snap, um, moves to his left, and puts a dart right on the money to Crabtree, who crashes down in the front corner of the end zone. A perfect throw and a great catch. Uh, And then Tevecchio hits the extra point, which is a little close for comfort. Uh, Game over, 31-30, and the Raiders... Uh, we talked about this, Greg, uh, going into this game. How important this game? Right. Was. They're three and four now. The KC Chiefs are still okay. they were five and zero oh, now. They're five and two. I think they'll. mean, yeah, they fine. could have put the Raiders away, yes. and now you know they'll they, survive this. But the Raiders needed this, and they got it. And I'm really impressed.
3: I, I am. It was. A, it's a devastating loss for the Chiefs. I, I think there's no two. two we're so jazzed about it. up right now. I, I am, and the good thing is all those calls. Were correct. Certainly the ones against the Chiefs were correct. I think the Crabtree call, maybe they should have won the game, but it would have you know, ended some drama even earlier, so I'm glad. And Derek Carr made a really interesting point on the NFL Network set after the game that they had practiced that play over and over, the two of them, all week, mm-hmm. except it was a sprint right. But you know who's on the right side? Of the Chiefs defense, Marcus Peters, who they did go to a couple plays before, but that's that's their money cornerback. And he he asked the coach, no, let's let's run it to the left. Let's just flip it. Let's run it to the left. And so you got Crabtree on Terrence Mitchell. I think it's really telling in those two plays on the goal line with, with the season on the line. He's trusting Michael Crabtree, maybe not Amari Cooper in that spot. They're looking to the veteran Crabtree to make the play for him. And he does it. What a yeah. moment. Crabtree wins the game. He had three catches, including the game winner.
2: Amari Cooper, welcome to the NFL in 2017. 11 for <laughs> 210 and two scores. And at three killer drops, he could have closed in on a 300-yard game if he played a perfect game. But who's going to complain when you go 11 for 210 and two? Uh, and finally, before we get out of here, we could talk about this game for an hour. To be Right. Close. I mean, Marshawn Lynch got kicked we, yeah, out. Yeah, we should talk about the Marshawn
3: Lynch situation. Alex Smith had a touchdown that bounced off of uh, a defenders' hands. I mean, there was a lot Very going crazy. on. Very crazy. Sean
2: Lynch uh, gets ejected and um, in the midway through the second quarter for running onto the field after Marcus Peters uh, had a late hit on Derek Carr, and then there was question because he's also real tight with Marcus Peters, uh, who's an Oakland guy, of what he was even running on the field about. Was it to defend? Uh, his quarterback was to help out Marcus Peters. I think Th- it
3: was to separate. Dion Sanders' theory was it was to separate everything and save his boy Marcus right. Peters. That's what it appeared to be. It, uh, did, it didn't know, look like that. One. You could dig into the Dion commentary and things. <laughs> I don't so much. But, like,
2: anyway, so he, he then grabs a, an official, gets tossed from the game. We'll see how this all plays out. Uh, initially, it was reported that he left the stadium. That was going to be a major story tomorrow. But it turns out he was in the locker room. Omar Ruiz of NFL Network had the shot in the locker room. So Beastman was there. A crazy game. Uh, one of the most memorable games. One of the craziest NFL games I've
3: ever seen. So it, it really was, and the fact that that the stars all showed up. It- I think I don't think it should be lost that Khalil Mack makes a huge sack to get the ball back. The Chiefs, who are an offensive team, had the chance to win the game, to put the game away with Twice. two different drives late in the fourth quarter. And the Raiders' defense, which has been terrible this year and wasn't really very good in this game, did get two key stops, including a three and out there at the end. So you've got to give them some love, giving Derek Carr a chance to save this Raiders' season. We're going to give the Raiders love. We've got we to tell a sad story about Greg, though. What is that? Oh, that's right. Well, it was worth it. It I'm giving it up. Just keep losing these locks if we can get games like this, baby. And ladies and
2: gentlemen, tracking at home, yes, the old Zeuser did pick the Raiders to win the game, the only Mm. person in the room. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that navel-gazing. Let's move on and get to the rest of the Week 7 games. There's no way they're going to be able to match this, but let's hope that they can even approach it. Let's get to the rest of the show. But first... Want to save big? Over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile mall app that connects you to thousands of merchants. Wish makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, kitchen gadgets, and more directly from the makers themselves. Maron, That way you pay 60 to 90% less than you'd pay in a store. No markups. No overpay. No way, man. They even have an outlet section complete with products from amazing brands like U.S. Polo, Mark Sessler's favorite, Champion, Wrangler, which Greg uses their jeans, and Hanes, which are good for underpants. And if you can wait a few weeks for delivery, you'll get lower shipping prices than almost anywhere else. And now, for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase. But dedicated Wish lovers, don't worry about being left out. All listeners can get 20% off your purchase by using my code AROUNDNFL. Just download and open your Wish app, find things that you didn't even know you needed, and enter my code or our code AROUNDNFL for 20% off your purchase.
0: The Around the NFL podcast. Mostly believes in aliens.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left. Greg Rosenthal to my right. What's up, boys? Happy Thursday.
3: <laughs> How are you? What's going on? Sounds like a happy Thursday coming from you, buddy.
2: <laughs> I like a little passive aggressiveness just to get the show going sprinkle it in like a little salt well, we pepper just had, on your salad
4: we were very excited to appear on NFL Network yeah. and it, they cancelled it on us yeah as we were sitting in our chairs, cameras hot. They just, they,
3: they bagged our segment. Second straight week. So we are becoming kind of the Matt Damon to the NFL Network's Jimmy Kimmel. Right. NFL Only that's a bit, and this is a real thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> and, is a flashy show of disrespect. And as Greg uh, pointed out, um, earlier in the show, there was like a, a bit about suits that the the people on the show that we got from these people from. that can afford suits. Yeah, they were like going on about this guy's suit looks like this and that guy's suit looks like that and Greg, what were you thinking? And it was it was prescient.
3: I I was thinking, well, you know, that might they might not have time for us after all this suit talk.
2: <laughs> so, I'm sure the viewers were like, "Well, we lost the podcast guys,
3: but good suit talk." But I think- right, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of viewers out there just like waiting waiting for us to come on, baby.
2: Look at I mean, Greg. Have some self respect. There were people that were waiting. We have a nice little audience, and people were excited. Greg would know this. He
4: he, you know, Greg would probably have been contacted over email from various fans, except that Greg's email has been short circuited because he is in a standoff with NFL Media's <laughs> IT department over not completing, you know, required training. Training that Dan
3: and Mark and and Wes and others have diligently completed. It's not a standoff. I was unaware. Uh, of all these training emails that do you know, are going going out and uh, yeah they shut off the email
2: do you know who doesn't have to worry about that stuff like if you're Michael Irvin you could blow off the oh, please. the it, data software encryption warning uh <laughs> short videos but if you're Greg it's a little different
4: thank you very much here with nfl.com's greg rosenthal <laughs> nfl.com
3: NFL.com. Like NFL. NFL.com. <laughs>
0: NFL.com's Greg Wilson.
2: I think in general, Greg is, has a really good career and a bright future ahead of him. But well, it's, it's good
3: to finally get that, that seal of approval from Dan.
2: <laughs> but it does, it does feel like that these little slaps on the wrist that get sent your way specifically that you can kind of connect the dots a little bit that they are sending a message occasionally.
3: <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> I do not think this is sending a message. I have heard people all over the building that have gotten uh, similar uh, infractions in many areas cuz they wouldn't cuz they don't read every email that comes across that you got to do a 10 part uh in you know well that's, security not, that's software, not how we see court. it we don't see it that I way i was
2: going to say how many people got blocked out of their email that have, were sent to camps and did live nfl network hits with mm-hmm. other former uh pro football talent got sent overseas for the london games and did live hits with steve washington from the big ben like how many other people are getting that treatment from you know it's a little well it's a little you know
3: different you're saying that yeah it's
2: a cast system
4: scenario they're putting you back into a certain (laughs) cast
3: all right anyway
2: this is the week seven preview episode of course uh, one game is already in the can the chiefs and raiders Uh, you just heard greg and i recap that but we got a lot more to get to so we should not delay any more unless we want to do a little suit talk uh, but we don't want to do that. No need to boil the ocean with the suits. Let's get into the game. Sound like a good idea? Let's do it. Okay, let's start. Ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, and men behind the glass, and Lindsay Fulton, who's a woman.
1: There's no men behind the glass today.
2: Oh, is that true? I like that. I like it. See, we are we are a well-oiled machine. The men and the women. I, I don't know about that. We do well. <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there very happy to have Lindsay aboard again as a full-time uh, producer very exciting times for the show let's get into the first game mark Sessler. the tampa bay buccaneers traveling to orchard park to face the bills and this is an interesting game mark because first of all we don't know for sure as of taping time if uh, Jameis winston's playing but he's scheduled to be practicing on friday that feels like a good sign so let's Kind of work under the assumption that he probably will start, but you could see Fitz magic. Uh, but there's problems here. The the Bucks, who were a preseason darling two and three, and now they go to Buffalo to play a Bills team that is three and two, coming off a bye, so they're fresh and they are genuinely frisky on defense.
4: Yeah, this is one of those games that all those off season shows they appear on our network too. That go through the schedule and say, "Hey, let's, it's May, Let's try to predict what happens." Oh, and the bills are going to be an easy out. So chalk that up as a W for 95 percent of the Bill's opponents. Not at all. This is a dangerous game for the Bucks, who are two and three and play the Panthers and Saints after this. The Bucks team, you want to talk about coaching, dealing with Arizona last week. They weren't ready for Adrian Peterson. They weren't ready for anything. Completely caught off guard and massacred in the first half and couldn't do enough to get back in it in the second. And the Bills' defense is legitimate. It's crazy. This AFC East was dismissed outside of New England. It's New England's defense that's a piece of junk right now. The Jets, Dolphins, and Bills all sporting better
3: defenses. Is there going to be a lot of massacre references in today's show? (laughs) That was the only one. That was aggressive. I mean, the Bills are favored in this game, I I would imagine. At this point, the Buccaneers get a lot of focus for Jameis Winston and the offense not being quite as good as we expected. And we'll find out if Jameis Winston plays in this game. He is going to fully practice on Friday, which is a good sign after missing those two days of practices. But whether it's him or Fitzpatrick... It wasn't the offense that gave up three touchdowns right in quick order. I mean, they had had two offensive series when Jameis Winston got back on the field with an injury, and the score was 21 nothing. So if you've had two offensive series and you didn't score, but they moved the ball out, you expect it to be about 3 nothing, 7 nothing, maybe nothing-nothing. That thing's 21 nothing. The game's over. And it was something I talked about way back in the offseason. It got me in trouble um, with Brent Grimes's.
2: Is this one you called the Panthers a
3: disgrace? No, this was this was the, the Buccaneers <laughs> was secondary. A years. And what I said was, yeah. this secondary is very thin. Counting on Brent Grimes to be that good again at his age, and then nothing behind oh. him is troubling. Now, Brent Grimes has been that good at this age. He's having a great season. But the rest of the secondary is a nightmare. It's not like Carson Palmer was making tough throws last week. Guys were open by 10, 15 yards. Mike Smith, who I was a little worried about watching on All or Nothing, I mean, it seemed like... He was a candidate to be a, one of those coaches that has to take a leave because he's too stressed. It's all about I mean, the Tevis. I mean, he just seems a little too stressed out when he. That was up. weird. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, like a worrisome. I think he's pretty stressed right Do now. Do you take anything
4: from Tampa Bay in the second half of that Cardinals game, shutting down Arizona finally? I mean, I, I don't. No, to be I mean, honest, the damage is done at that. That's the way the game was
2: yeah. playing out. Um, and the Bills' defense to, to the point when I set it up with you, Mark, is that. Uh, I got this from the NFL media research notes, which, oh, great work. And you can check out the uh, Wednesday piece on the end around. They are first in points per game. Uh, They are second passer rating allowed. They are fourth in takeaways per game. They uh, are first in touchdowns allowed per game. And they are second in opposition red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, This is the best Bills defense right now since 1999, which is also the last time they won uh, 10 games, by the way, and last time they made the playoffs. So. Could be a tough situation for the Bucs who have not gotten their act together yet. Let's move on and talk about the Carolina Panthers uh, who are traveling to Chicago to face the Bears. The Panthers uh, have a a little extra time to get healthy after playing Thursday night uh, and losing to the Eagles. Luke Kuechly suffered a concussion in that game, so we'll see if he gets cleared in time to play in this game. And then you have a Bears team. Start number three, Greg, for Mitch Trubisky.
3: Well, let's... Let's start using Mitchell Trubisky a little more. I know they're protecting him, uh, but last week they almost seemed afraid to use him. And I don't think you need to go that far. I think this is a game, though, that now the Bears look at, is Kelvin Benjamin going to play in this game? It it sounds like there's a, a decent chance he doesn't. And so when you take away Kelvin Benjamin from a team that has had zero running game over the last two weeks, They've essentially turned into a passing team. And I think you saw some of the limitations in that against the Eagles. Maybe the Bears think we don't need to pass. This is another game that we can keep close without throwing the ball at all.
4: I mean, they ran the ball 54 times. The one thing that concerned me with Mitchell Trubisky, and it's, it's not on him, because I think you mentioned this one play, Greg, on Sunday night where the snap went shot over his head, yeah. and the athleticism and his you know wherewithal to get the ball out, it was in the end zone, it would have been a safety or potentially even a touchdown. Great move by him, but there was a lot of action with Baltimore where they were effective getting right up through the heart of that offensive line and getting to Trubisky. On blitzes. On really. blitzes, and it's like this is that
3: matchup concerns me a lot with, with Carolina's defense. They, they did blitz a lot. In the past they weren't a team that normally did, but they they did quite a bit on Philadelphia and they've got the talent to do it. You try to scramble a rookie quarterback and Cam Newton came down to earth. He got
2: scorching hot there leading into that Thursday night game. And then I thought played a pretty bad game. Very sloppy. Um, And now we get to see him again. The Bears defense isn't that bad, at least uh, statistically this season uh, ranked sixth overall. And I want to see what happens if Cam Newton is stuck in a situation again, like it was last week where they have nobody moving the ball uh, at the running back position and it's all on Cam again. They got to find a way to move the ball on the ground.
3: This Bears team. Is gonna, I think they're going to be a tough out in, in general. I know they're you know starting Trey McBride and Tanner Gentry at wide receiver, so there's some limitations. But I think it's a very good offensive line. I mean, they've, they've been blowing open holes for uh, their running backs. For the most part, they've pass-protected well. It really was the blitzes and the running backs and the tight ends that were getting Trubisky in trouble. This is a dangerous game for, for Carolina. I think, the, I think the Bears are pretty frisky. It's a yeah. John Fox team. Well, they're another team that you look at that people had left for dead in August, and it's not the case.
2: Yeah, they're putting up a fight. I don't know if it'll be enough to save John Fox's job. He's going to have to win some games, but uh, yeah.
3: I'd keep an eye on the Panthers, who had 32 yards of rushing in the last two weeks combined from their running backs. I am sure that they used that extra time to work on this running game because that, that has to be driving Ron Rivera crazy.
2: Moving on, the Tennessee Titans are coming off a Monday night win over the Colts, where they got it going on offense a little bit, uh, scored over 30 points. Marcus Mariota was limited with the leg injury, but still passed the ball very well. And now they get the Cleveland Browns, who, of course, are 0-6, not even competitive um, most weeks. So it feels like a good spot for the Titans, um, Mark, who get to go into their bye after this which sets them up to let Mariota get healthy. All they got to do is take care of business against your Browns. Yeah, Tennessee are
4: the tytoons. I don't know what we're calling uh Cleveland at this point because Well, the Browns actually kind of fit that's, that's kind of the Browns. That's already it's already packed in yeah. there, I guess. It's I, here's the thing. I watching Cleveland and kind of they're just they're they're a tough to deal with week to week on Game Pass, but I feel like two of the quarterbacks that really took them to town, Deshaun Watson last week and Jacoby Brissett had a field day against them, throwing the ball, but also running. I don't think that Greg Williams in this defense, which has in games, or at least for... for portions of games looked different than previous Browns defenses. It just hasn't altogether been there, but they don't seem to do well against mobile quarterbacks. And I think that this is a good matchup for Marcus Mariota, and it's just flat out a much better team.
2: I mean, is he going to be a mobile quarterback, though? That's the other part of this.
4: We'll have to see, but I mean, but even through the air, Cleveland's secondary has had all sorts of issues. Jabril Peppers is a, a great athlete, but I don't think they've quite figured out how to use him in that They're,
3: they're an easy defense to prepare for. I think there was a next-gen... Stats that, you know, they blitzed, I think, the least of any. I don't even know if that's a next-gen stat. Does that count? You know, the next-gen stats, rights holders might come after me for that. I don't know if blitzing really counts, but they, they don't blitz much.
2: Yeah, most of their stats are about going 21 miles per hour. <laughs> that No, that's being disrespectful. I'm sorry.
3: They I think they blitz less than any team in the entire Cleveland, N- N- NFL. Cleveland, you NFL, know, Cleveland. So, they- they're an easy team to pre- prepare for, and you would think this is a week. Mariota... I really doubt he's going to be able to run at all based on what we saw the other night. And he showed that he maybe doesn't really need to.
4: Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the only the only bright spot, if you want to talk about passers, Miles Garrett over two Ooh, games yeah. has absolutely looked like the real deal. But you get this week, you have Taylor Lewan, Jack Conklin. It's a tough offensive
3: line to deal with. I would consider benching Demarco Murray for this game. He has not looked right the entire season. You got a bye coming up. You're facing the Browns. You got a great backup in Derrick mm-hmm. Henry. Why not just sit him? And I'm also saying before we get out of here, please, this is a, this is a game. That the Browns could win. You get Kaiser on the we haven't even mentioned Deshaun Kaiser starting this game. He's back in the starting lineup. The Titans are one of the worst pass rushers, one of the worst defenses. Kaiser has not had time. If ever there's a game where he has some time to throw the ball, this is it. You're facing a limited quarterback. I'm just saying the Titans aren't throw it to who though much. is the question, but yes.
2: A little too much Browns stock. All right. Win a game and then let's talk about it. Uh, Sorry, Father. I just, you know, I think I came I think on a little, with you, a little too strong uh, last week. But I, and Greg, you said it downstairs as well. I was, I'm a little annoyed by how it, uh, bad the Browns are. Win the game. I believe me, I'm with you. Let's move on. The New Orleans Saints uh, now hit the road, riding a three-game winning streak, and face the Green Bay Packers. You want to talk about good timing? The Packers without. Aaron Rodgers, you couldn't be in a better situation uh, if you were the Saints and Sean Payton and the Saints defense that is uh, riding high all of a sudden, and Drew Brees is just as good as ever, and it goes back to that old thing with the Saints, if you just have an okay defense and Drew Brees, you're going to be okay, but they're been, the defense has been better than okay, Greg, the last three weeks.
3: Last few weeks, they have been. I mean, they have, it's only six weeks, so I We get a little ahead of this, but so far through six weeks, Cam Jordan would be in my top five or so for defensive players of the year. Marshawn Lattimore, I think, reminds me a different sort of cornerback. But like Jalen Ramsey, a rookie cornerback who is coming out and making an instant impact where you think, wow, this guy could be an elite top five guy for a long time. I hope we're not getting ahead of ourselves. And then you've got an offense, which reminds me a little bit of the Cowboys uh, in the year that they controlled the ball so well with Tony Romo and last year. Drew Brees is not lighting up this year. It's kind of a ball control. Let's keep short passing. Let's run the ball. Let's possess it. Keep our defense off the field. Maybe the defense can make some big plays. It's a nice little recipe they got going.
4: Yeah, and and Their defense extends to watching that game game against the Lions. <clears throat> Guys like Alex Okafor, Craig Robertson, they are aggressive. They're stopping the run. They made life absolutely miserable for Matthew Stafford. And I just, I can't remember the last time I would go watch a Saints game and it's the defense you come away thinking, this is why they have a real chance in the NFC.
2: If you look at their numbers through two weeks, they were last or next to last in almost every relevant uh, statistical measure for defense. And now they're basically in the top five in the last three weeks. Mm. And again, very small sample size. but And and the schedule's kind of played to their, their liking. And, and even this game's going to play into their hands unless Hundley breaks out. And we should get to Hundley. But uh, the Saints, there's reason to be a little bit excited
3: in a wide-open NFC. It right? made a huge difference, by the way, that they got left tackle to Ar- Armstead back last week. That is an all-pro, and it suddenly kind of stabilized the whole team. Well, what are
2: we thinking about Hundley in his first start? Are. Do, do we think he can do something here? Well, I
4: want to wipe away kind of everything that we saw last week because a, a week of preparation and practice could help. I actually think Hunley is going to be serviceable. I really do. The one thing that I see a difference, such a drop-off from Aaron Rodgers, was last week there were a couple sacks and hits he took where it just never would have um, happened to Aaron Hunley. It never would have happened to Aaron Rodgers. His ability to kind of see behind him and to extend plays. Hunley, it takes a while, if if ever, and they threw, to kind of see that way.
3: They threw the kitchen sink at him, Mike Zimmer, and I would expect Dennis Allen and the Saints to do the same in terms of just really showing him a lot of crazy pressures. But he made a few nice passes. Yeah. And we always hear, and I've been saying this too. Ted Thompson, great general manager, great eye for talent, nice you sense know. of humor, <laughs> nice dry. It's kind of like you a know. Popovich type uh, sense. Right, of humor. common. Yeah, common answer. You know, when you say like, who are three guys in the world I'd want to have dinner with? Ted Thompson comes up quite a bit. Nineteen ninety one, Zach Morris, right? Also comes that, up. That's yeah. for other reasons. That's the body. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird. That's continues to Beach continues to, uh,
4: to creep us out just uh, just a little bit, Dan.
3: Yeah, because like, in a way, it's kind of saying, I want to return. This is, of course, is if you haven't listened, Dan, if you could choose anybody in the world would want high school version of Zach Morris. Body. Well, let's it's,
2: clarify. September, October 1991, Mark Paul Gosler, okay. who played. But before, it's Winter kind of like saying,
3: like, I want to return to my high school days, too. I don't know.
2: It's a well, word. then you would be in a, uh, a largely successful uh, acid rock group and you would be wearing black makeup and <laughs> and long hair and it would be a different time for you again it would, it would be it would be a different time and by the way everyone getting on me about the underage aspect of it which he's not he's definitely legal uh Zack Morris at that stage Connie Fox says Jasmine. I looked it up. Jasmine from that Disney movie, 15 years old. So, you know, just throwing it out there. She can't defend herself. Well, I don't care. I, I think well, that's, that's a fair. No,
4: no, she does not get off scot-free. She, in <laughs> fact, has
3: gone somewhere even darker than you. You know who doesn't get off scot-free? I forgot what I what led us into this. We hear a lot about Ted Thompson. Yes. We hear a lot. Is this
2: point it's completely
3: gonna, necessary? It's totally okay. necessary. <laughs> we hear a lot at Mike McCarthy in Offensive Mind. All right, let, let's see it. This is a test of – like, let's see – the other players that Ted Thompson has brought into this organization, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, and everyone on this team needs to step up. If Mike McCarthy's a great offensive mind, make it work with Brett Hundley. That that would prove that would prove they're bona fide.
2: Who do you got in this game, Mark, by the way? I'm just curious. It's a tough one. I'm going to go New Orleans. Come back when? No. Okay. okay. Uh, by the way, I did uh, throw out a theory before we move on to the next game. I'll just throw it. Hits are up. QB hits are up in the last 10 years. It's been steadily rising. It's the worst possible situation for the NFL. I throw out a theory. Tell me how crazy this is. What if you brought, I'm being serious, by the way, the red jersey, non-contact jersey, into real games for quarterbacks, but you have to figure out, you have to hit one of these qualifiers, okay? You win an MVP, red jersey. (laughs) Have you earned multiple all-pro selections? You get a jersey. Have at least 12 years of NFL experience time. Get a red jersey. Protect those vital natural resources in the league.
4: Well, if and you have to right. earn it. That's a very interesting idea. But if you A, it, it completely Aaron won, It, is des- the reason it I was destroys about competitive it. balance. But if you're someone who's tired of <laughs> right. seeing Tom Brady thrive for a million years and you in the same two or three teams with these
3: top tier quarterbacks, right.
2: it's just going to extend and, that annoyance. Yeah, rate. but it, it, it pays the bills, it keeps us employed. Right, well, but quarterbacks keep the lights on.
3: But how do you how do you develop You know, younger stars, if they're kind of have a bigger target on their back. I mean, they don't have a bigger target; they're just vulnerable. I to me, that I think Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, you know, Carson Wentz, those guys are just as valuable. Russell Wilson has a
2: red contact jersey. He's got a Super Bowl.
3: Okay, I think it's how about quarterbacks in general? Just get it. It would be the worst. No,
2: you have to earn it. That adds the kind of level to it. It makes a guy even more valuable.
3: How about this?
4: Adding to that, one more fold: the worst team in the league each year. The entire offense wears a red contact jersey,
2: it, or they wear no pads. They get punished.
3: It adds a little. Oh, it adds a little too much importance <laughs> into the MVP and All Pro voting, where oh, that's, like, Bobby that's Wagner gets an MVP vote. Give me a break.
2: Okay, let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, are three and three. Uh, they could not take care of business last week against the Rams, and now they travel uh, to face the Colts and. Uh, Bad, bad news for the Colts. Jake Brisket has done a nice job on balance uh, with that team. Um, He is... Slides
1: me off a piece of that. Especially considering that
2: he came into the program right before the season began. He's done a nice job overall. Uh, But Andrew Luck got shut down in his... um, Throwing and basically his ramping up his activity to try to make a comeback. And now we're in a situation here, guys, where we don't know if we're going to see Andrew Luck at all. It feels like a very real possibility now that Andrew Luck's season is over, right?
4: Yeah. And, there, and I would say this I think if anything, if there's any sort of residue off of the Jacoby Brissett success, is that there, I don't know, is this a Super Bowl team? There's no, you don't have to rush to bring. Andrew Luck back. I, I just wouldn't. I, I really, they're not. No, they're not. And I question if he will even play this year. They keep saying, no, no, of course I'll be playing. Of course he'll, you know, we're not putting him on IR. I mean, we're getting closer to that being a reality.
3: I I originally wrote, down on this game. It's kind of like the Does Andrew Luck Matter Bowl because they're running out of games that I think they have a good chance to win. They're in Cincy next week. They're in Houston. This is a home game. It's a division opponent. Like, each one of these wins gives a chance for Andrew Luck to matter. But now that he was shut down, and he was at least a few weeks away already, you have to almost assume he's he's a month away. They have a week 11 bye. I think you still play him if he's healthy enough to play and he's more than cleared. I don't care what the record is. I, I so say, they, I well, and he's going to you it. He's going to demand it. To me, want it's too. like it's a it's a football team and like you you see you're very careful. But if he's a hundred percent ready to go, so you
2: Andrew Luck, who is the future of the, of the franchise, he's the face of the franchise. He's I believe the highest paid player in the league, if not close. If they go into their buy at three and seven, we're going to bring him out anyway for December. Yeah, okay,
3: I think so. For All the right. this is a one of those games the Jaguar. I mean they've <laughs> they've gotten lucky. I would bring them in. Yeah. No, not, I mean I'm not judging. I'm just like I don't know if I would.
2: I would probably say to myself. I'm sure they're asking just, themselves. This is already a lost year. Question. Let's get this guy a hundred percent for the off season program next year. I don't know.
3: The uh, the Jaguars have to be pumped to get this matchup up right now. I mean they can. Every win that they get, they get a little more of a feeling that they matter. They're not used to being so relevant and near 500 at this stage of the season. But just watching them, it makes me even more annoyed about the whole Blake Bortles decision in the offseason. It's almost like their winning has insulated them from Uh. criticism of what they did at quarterback. But if anything, it makes me... More annoyed because this AFC South is there for the taking, and if they had just done anything at quarterback, this is a team that could go to the playoffs, and that would mean a lot for this franchise.
4: That said, I know a few Jaguars fans, and I think they are got to be top three in the last you know 15 years of just pure suffering and feeling yeah. like constantly being ripped on. I look at this season. Every year, you get a team like this that does this. They're kind of learning how to win. They flip flop wins and losses. And when they do things well, the Jaguars do things very well on defense. That's a playoff defense. I think so, too. I'm going to tell you something. What? what? They're going to start to build momentum. Yeah. We're going to get out of this flip flopping wins and losses. Keep you're coming. going to win this week. Keep you're going to go it. into your bye week, and you're going to take it to the Bengals two weeks from now. and am locking it up.
2: Okay. Not fearless, but okay. Are they well, that's an a- underwhelming response. No, they're on the road. That's that's a it's totally a road game. That we that listen by the way, a road game with a quarterback that nobody buys. No, the, uh, you definitely you're respecting the room. You're respecting the room. Uh, are they going to need a comeback to do it? No, no. Okay. Let's move on. Talk about the Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams. What an interesting matchup because people are flying high now. Um, about the cards because Adrian Peterson came to town and made them look like a totally different unit. And so now, all of a sudden, they're 500, despite as bad as they've been. We talked about how they were the worst 2-2 two and two team in the league. They're not 3-3. Three three. They're still okay, and they, they probably have a lot more confidence. Now they go to pay, face the Rams on the road. A big, big game here, uh, Mark, for uh, both teams, but especially the Cardinals, who could build off that game.
4: Yeah, they're one of the most intriguing teams heading into this week because their identity completely changed mm-hmm. last Sunday, and and the Rams are a team that you can you can run on. I mean, they they've got absolutely taken to town by the Redskins and Dallas, Jacksonville ran on the Rams, so it's a it's if 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 the script plays as it did last week for Arizona, it's a nice setup for them. I feel like I look at this Rams team though. And I feel like it's the team Bruce Arians would love to have right now.
1: Mm.
3: A lot of elements in place that he would. And it's it's it, this is the game of the week to me. This is fascinating. Well, London, fi- you know, not finally, but it's nice to see London get such uh, an intriguing game. They get Adrian Peterson for the second time this year, except this time he's coming into the game with juice. I he's mean, he's gonna play. I don't need to right. I don't need <laughs> to see. I don't need to see more to, to think that he's for real. I don't know if they're going to block well for him or if the offense is going to be good, but he's making people miss last week. He's showing vision. He's running people over. like that. It's not... You can trust what you see. He's got the juice, Danny.
2: Okay. I like the juice. <laughs> I like the juice squeezing the juice. Uh, Cardinals have 10, 10
4: players older than Sean McVay.
2: I know how to coach old guys.
4: I mean, they are the they are the they're the oldest team in the league, basically, playing one of the youngest. The Cardinals. The Cardinals, so, yeah. Sorry, over the over Sean McVay. You kind of had a senior moment there, didn't you? Uh, what did I even say? Oldest guy in the room. I'd, um, I'd be oh, a little
3: worried please. if I'm the Rams about some of the offensive <laughs> struggles the last two weeks. Go away. How about both of you leave the room? <laughs> yeah. Is it hard for you? because Wes, you know, our our good buddy Chris Wesley, not here for this show. Um, you guys are closer in age, and Dan and I are so much younger. Like, does that?
4: I spend that a lot of time on you? Uh, you know, watching over a 7 and 6 year old at home and the dynamic is no different here.
2: Oh, I thought I thought you were going to go. Yeah, I got a 6 and a 7 year old, yeah. Keeps me young, man.
4: Keeps me. <laughs> no, they they show aspects of maturity <laughs> that the two
2: of you could take pointers <laughs> from. Hey, I'll tell you what. By the way, in case people forgot, the Los Angeles Rams are the team of ATL. Mhm. Team of ATL. And uh Forget about the Cardinals. Everybody calm down. One game, all of a sudden, now they're great. Disrespectful. I'm going to do it. I'm going to disrespect them, and I'm going to stand by the Rams, even though I've seen some things that I don't love about Jared Goff the last couple of weeks. I love that the defense, again, uh, balled out and took over that game last week. And that's why, gentlemen, oh, wow. you got to get behind the team of ATL. I am looking it hop.
3: <laughs> Lock up them Rams. A vaguely respectful move by you. Aaron Donald has been an absolute nightmare the last few weeks. I mean, just playing at at a level as well as he has ever played, and I, I think they need to win games in that that different sort of way. They've only scored twenty three points on offense the last two weeks.
4: In other words, that's concerning. Skip training camp, whether you are in the league or cover
3: the league.
2: You know what. I trust Son of Bum to scheme something up yeah. to confuse old man Palmer and have uh, Adrian Peterson run into the line over and over again. Hmm. I like it. A little concerned
3: about uh, Sammy Watkins at this point. It, I yeah. mean, I, like, I'm like. i starting to wonder, does he get a long-term contract there? Like he, he is their third receiver right now behind Woods and Cup. Let's move on. Uh, AFC East
2: rematch. Only week seven, but the Jets and Dolphins are closing out their home and home. Uh, the Jets, of course, back in week three. Uh, dominated the Dolphins. Uh, it was twenty nothing until the last play of the game, a twenty to six Jet win uh, that put them on a three game winning streak, got them going toward that. But now they're coming off a loss, a tough loss to the Patriots. They got jobbed by the NFL rule book. Let's be honest. Uh, let's be honest. They probably would have lost the game anyway. Also, but whatever. Moving I don't on. Know. The uh, the Dolphins on the other side of the ball, uh, feeling great. They got to be feeling great, um, Mark. Because, uh, excuse me, Greg. Because what you have here is a team that was dead in the water against the defending NFC champions on the road. And then they scored 20 straight points and win. What a bizarre game that was.
3: They have to have real confidence when they're close late in games. They're close to setting the all-time NFL record for winning one score games without losing one. I mean, at most levels, it just feels fluky, but it's what got them to the playoffs last year. And, I'm not saying their offense is going to be great, but if their offense can just... Going into the year, it wouldn't have been crazy to think they're the 20th best offense in the league. They have been so bad, so you know, with the Browns or any other team as one of the worst, that if they could just get respectable, which they were for a half, it wasn't much to go off, then they could have a good team because the defense is playing so well. Yeah, I think of Keith
4: Hans as your dad who grew up, yeah. you know, you were. this is about the time you probably were stepping into your Jets fandom, but these old Jets-Dolphins matchups – would grace the cover of SI every time they happen because they'd be these sort of fifty to forty-four overtime shootouts with Dan Marino and Kenny O'Brien. Sure, what a totally different pair of teams. And Miami's defense is absolutely legitimately for real. And I think when you talk about their offense, Greg, like last week, Jay Ajayi plugged back in and was an anchoring force, someone they could count on. They it is so critical that that happens for them to have any shot to score points.
2: I definitely worry about a big Ajay game uh, in this uh, matchup on the road. I think the Jets did a really nice job bottling up a the first time. And Jay Cutler looked about 45 years old in that game. Uh, I can't. The Dolphins are a hard team to make sense of because they were so bad in the first half of that game. And I think a lot of the, um, uh, I don't want to take anything away from that comeback victory, but the Falcons just fell on their face also in that second half, just did everything wrong, whether it was turnovers got, very or... Very
3: similar to the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, fumbles. Yeah. It, was just, it was clear like they, they just were in their own heads perhaps. Had a lot to do with Miami though. Sure. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, the Dolphins respect. But I'm saying the, Dolph- the Falcons did their Falcons thing again. So I'm not sure if I believe the, the, the Dolphins are the real deal. So that's why I think, I think the Jets are going to go in there and get a win.
4: You and Handsome Hank have so, any
2: wagers on this? No wagers, but I am in kind of a war with his seven-year-old son. That feels appropriate. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we'll go back and forth.
3: Well, then. on the NFL Pick'em show, which everyone should check out on Saturday, three different times. Oh I, yeah, I believe. Uh, go six, go for it. Bro. Six two and eleven Eastern, I believe, but you can figure it out. Dave Damashek showed the disrespect to the Jets by picking the Dolphins as his survivor pick. It just to me was completely bizarre because this Dolphins team is not trustworthy in that way. Of course not. It's and, a silly pick. And you gotta give a little love to old John Morton. Well, Johnny I think, Morton. I don't think John Morton's name has ever been mentioned on American media yet outside of New York. Well, you better but, clarify who he is. I'll tell you who he is. He's the offensive coordinator of a team that's getting Josh McCown to make some plays and has turned Austin. Ferry and Jenkins into a must start right now in fantasy leagues, leading the NFL among tight ends and receptions since he's been back. He's a pretty good playmaker. Like, they're an okay offense. He's this doing po- a nice little job. I mean, John this Morton.
4: podcast, to your point, was always eyes wide open towards John Morton. We, oh,
2: we knew. Every, every show we talk about him. Uh, yeah, I think the Jets, if they could have run the ball against the Patriots, would have won that game. So if the Dolphins can shut down the running game the way the Patriots did, Josh McCown could be exposed. We'll see if they can do it. Hard to figure out uh, the Dolphins. All right, moving on. Oh, who do you who do you got in that game, Mark?
4: In that game, I will take the Dolphins.
2: You think they'll need a comeback to do it? I think they will. Come back, Colonels with Mark Sessler. Come back, Colonels with Mark Sessler. Come back, Colonels, 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 with Mark Sessler. Come back.
4: could have been 20 seconds potentially shorter but you know if you make it as long as you can a very uh, like a they might be giants vibe there <laughs> <that
2: song.
1: laughs>
4: it was truly a kernel all i said was yes there was literally no analysis attached to
2: it so and kernel. big popcorn i know you're out there listening that is currently unattached in terms of a sponsorship
4: that's where we're at now we're just having to create our own hits i like that
2: moving on the baltimore ravens are three and three just lost to the bears for Christ's sake! Now they travel to Minnesota uh, to face the Vikings, a Vikings team that has got to be all sorts of pumped up because now they look at the NFC
3: NFC North, Greg, and they say we can win this damn thing. They they should have their sights far in this NFC. Why not? Why not have some home playoff games? Why not have a little bit of fun? They could be the best defense in the league. Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the best defense in the league, and they're doing it kind of in an old-school way with continuity, not a lot of substitutions, not a lot of things that are going to trick you. Of their 11 starters, all 11 have been with the team for at least three years, which is outrageous they run the same two personnel groups for 96% of their plays. So the guys aren't coming on and off the field. It's just the same 11 guys. And you have just guys being able to play fast. Right now, Xavier Rhodes, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties. Everson Griffin, one of the best defensive ends. You've got difference makers at every level. And then you're facing a team like the Ravens, and you kind of think it's game over. Like when the Ravens face a halfway decent defense, it's game over because – Unlike some of the bad offenses that has young players, they're old and depressing to watch, and they can't score on anyone. The Ravens are mm.
4: they are poorly built on they're offense They're the worst right team now. to watch
3: in the league right now. Yeah, they're not any offense. fun,
4: and Joe Flacco is quietly having a disastrous season. And on the Vikings, to your point on defense, I love when you're Mike Zimmer, you're the old-school defensive backs coach, defensive coordinator, when the identity of your team matches the talents of your head coach and why they hired him and they truly do but i also like this offense which last year was impossible to watch adam thielen is such a really reliable Emerging wide receiver and beyond emerging, he's obviously he's he's basically like a star player at this point. And we were just sort of discovering him last season. They were fine last week without Stephon Diggs for the most part. I think
3: they missed him. I I,
4: they they were going to miss him, but they got by. And Jarek McKinnon, who I did not think was an impressive player before this season. I think he's done a nice job stepping in for Dalvin Cook. He can catch the ball. He's fast. They, they've got a lot going on on offense, even with Case Keenum is starting, who's going
2: to play this week, it sounds like. Can you imagine if Dalvin Cook was still yeah. on this team? You, you would really – I mean, I'm not saying now they can't make a deep run in the playoffs or make the playoffs, but you, feel you get really I, excited about it. And I like also the idea of – and I know Case Keenum's done a nice job. What gets me excited about a potential like special Viking season – Is if Teddy Bridgewater gets his shot and does some things and ends up being the guy that takes this team in the playoffs, then then you have a whole narrative set up, an amazing comeback story, and you got the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. That would be a lot of fun to track. He's practicing, so it's
3: very possible we see him. Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in the league. He didn't practice on Thursday. This offense was, I thought, more limited last week. Keenum did not have a great game overall, and if. To me, it's a coin flip game. I'd give Minnesota an edge because it's in Minnesota. If the Ravens' defense is at is all special or that's kind of their identity, go win a game against Case Keenum uh, against a team that's missing their number one receiver and their number one running back. Go win a game, Ravens' defense. I have, I,
4: that. I could also see Minnesota hammering Baltimore in this game.
2: I have a bit of a Sessler here. Hmm. <laughs> I've been waiting for my Justin Tucker wins a game by himself game. <laughs> and he's been very quiet. and It has been his fault. The offense has been brutal. Had a nice little game last week. Hit his first 50-yarder. I think he's got a couple in him this mm, week. Okay. And it might not take a lot of points to win this game. Mm. Come on, Justin. Do it for me. Let's move on. Here's what was the best, best rivalry of the 1990s. Uh, now, uh, not not the best rivalry of the... What is this deck? Well, they don't meet it's in the, the playoffs teens? like they used to. Is this yeah. the teens? Well, they probably only meet every three years, period. Yeah. Well, they used to the meet Ots? every year in the regular season teens. too, in the old days.
4: They would be I mean it was like the NFC title Cowboys and Niners. Dallas and San Francisco every year. Two
3: thousand tens, I could call it. Maybe how about that? The
2: tens? The tens. Okay. Kind of cool. I do like aughts. I like that aughts caught on. Kind of big on the aughts.
3: Anyway, you
4: the, only have another 90 years to wait to get back into that <laughs> frame of mind.
2: Well, I enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed looking back on it using that word. Uh, the Cowboys are 2-3, and three, uh, coming out of their bye, and the big news around the Cowboys is the continual, continued legal wrangling uh, involving Zeke Elliott and his six-game suspension. Um, it is now, once again, it's been put back on hold uh, this week at flip-flop over the last two weeks where the, the suspension got put back into play and everyone started turning their attention to who's it going to be? Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden, blah, blah, blah. But now he's back in the lineup. I can't even begin to know or try to figure out, I don't even really want to, uh, when, the, when will be the next shoe to drop with this. But for the time being, Zeke's back in the lineup and that's big uh, for the Cowboys who need a win against the winless
3: Niners. Sounds like he's safe for two more weeks, although there's been a report that a potential settlement could happen. So who knows? It's very unpredictable.
2: Which makes sense because at a certain point, if the Cowboys really have aspirations about winning a Super Bowl, they have to be careful to not let this thing back into the back end of the season and potentially. Well
3: the right. If, it's, if it happens after he plays two more games and knocks him out for six weeks, that takes him into the middle of December. So can't do that. So no. you'd be in trouble. I mean, this is a game they should be able to win with anyone at running back. They can't blow this, And what was a little lost in their two-game losing streak before the break was their offense was back. It was all the way back. I mean, they scored practically every possession against against the Packers and the Rams. They scored over 30 points in both of those games. They controlled the ball. You know, It was a little different, more improvisational stuff from Dak Prescott. But the, def- the offense looked great before they went on their bye.
4: Yeah, and, and the 49ers have been sort of one of these anomalies with these super close games. I mean, it, it, no other team in the NFL, and I believe the history of NFL has done what they've done with these little two-point losses and stuff week after week. Maybe this is where that all comes crashing down. I will say I think I thought CJ Beathard, it, you know, the idea that you have to go in fresh and play an NFL game off the bench and do what he did showed much more chemistry than Hoyer did at the beginning of that game. I thought that guys like Pierre Garcon, Aldrich Robinson kinda came to life when he came in there. I don't know ultimately once you get a tape on him what we're gonna have, but not a bad not
3: a bad player from what I saw. Seems like a poor man's Hoyer or Cut. Well, After a watch, poor man's Hoyer is is not a good scenario. I, but, I mean, but, if, it, if CJ Beathard has Brian Hoyer's career, makes the same amount of money, starts the same amount of games, I think that would be a big win for CJ Beathard. I, I was not I would too,
4: just stick with him. That's all. I just no, right. like it. They're clearly going to go out and find another quarterback, but. Maybe this is your long-term This is an easy
3: matchup for him, but I was not that impressed. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. What do you expect? He was very lucky not to have a couple interceptions. And this defense, which we were kind of excited about, really doesn't have much juice right now. They lost Arik Armstead now for the season, which is a big loss. And um, Cowboys, if you're worth a damn, go win this game. I don't want to hear
2: anything, and I don't want a two-point win and give the Niners more misery. They've lost their last five games by 13 points combined. Go in in there and win by a couple scores and get back to 500. Sean
3: Lee's back, so that's big for them.
2: All right, let's move on. The Denver Broncos are coming off um, a sit-down, be humble loss to the New York Giants on Sunday night uh, where they just look dreadful. Uh, in every facet of the game. And now they're going to try to get back on track uh, with a trip here in- to Los Angeles to face the chargers who have finally figured out how to start winning uh, some close games. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, um, any concerns now about let's start with team Trev, Greg, because you are the conductor here. You're shoveling the colon. Any concerns about team Trev? Let's start here.
3: He's going to go through ups and downs. He's definitely been erratic with his decisions. He. Didn't seem very accurate. He wasn't accurate last week, and I- he just seemed a little scrambled. Maybe it was what the Giants were showing him defensively. I don't think you should have those sort of problems this week, but they're a limited offense in that I don't really trust them to pass protect, and they're not deep at wide receiver, and you lose uh, Emmanuel Sanders for this game, that's a that's a huge loss because it, it's just... You, you're going to Benny Fowler and receivers that you really don't trust that much, so they got to be able to run the ball in this game.
4: I mean, Joey Bosa... He's back all the way. He looked great last week, and Trevor Simeon is not the same guy when he's pressured. I mean, it's just that's where the mistakes start to come. And so, I you you can run on San Diego, or excuse me, Los Angeles, if you're if you're if you're the, any opponent basically week after week. But I, which C.J. Anderson are we going to get? I feel like it's a it's a week to week proposition with him. This is
3: and it, even though the Chargers have won these last two games and they've showed a little bit of rhythm on offense. I wouldn't say that I I went away from those two games thinking like, ooh, this is the Chargers team I expected to see. No. Like, you, yeah, you're seeing Hunter Henry's finally getting in the mix. Hunter Henry is so unbelievably good. He needs to, I think, be a focal point of this offense. What took them so long, though? That's, a, that's a weird coaching in my I, book. His, I mean, his ball skills and just his movement are incredible. But Mike Williams, their number one draft pick, was back. Keenan Allen. Yeah, they still have the pieces on paper, Dan. It's not over for this Chargers team.
2: I know you're, you're always going to say that because you love Phil Rivers. Um, first thing I want to see, this team's 0-3 at home. And you figure, oh, they're due oh. to get a home win, and this would be a really nice win. But this place is going to be filled with Broncos fans.
3: I don't think it was a coincidence they started winning on the road. I think it's a tough spot them yeah. in and home games. So I kind of like the I kind of
2: like the Chargers in this game. Um, maybe it's just because how bad the Broncos looked on Sunday, but um, at the same time. I wonder if it plays head games with them when that crowd's going to be roaring and everyone's going to be wearing orange in the stands. How does it not affect I mean, you? On what is some the level?
4: nature of home
3: of playing in your own stadium? Everything that's happening to them is against the nature of that. And I, I want to see what the Broncos defense. I mean, the most shocking aspect of that Broncos loss was the fact that Orleans Darkwa is running all over them. Right. Wayne Gallman's running all over them. So, they were the best run defense in the league before, you know, getting gashed by the Giants, which was shocking. Now you face Melvin Gordon, who's kind of getting it, getting it going. I mean, old uh, Spice Rack <laughs> was apologizing for his Melvin Gordon take a few weeks ago. I'm like, give it time. This guy's sixth in the league in yards from scrimmage. Well, and one last He's thing. A good player. We, again, we spent six
4: months telling everyone the AFC West is by far the best division in football. <laughs> nothing close. The Raiders are a mess. The Broncos are up and down. The Chargers are junk.
3: Come on. <laughs> It's a big game. They get back in. They win this game, and they're back in the mix.
2: One last note: the Chargers are the no one's struggling worse than the chart. Well, other than the Browns, I guess Niners at home. No, everyone's uh, having issues. It seems because the league as a whole is forty four and forty five at home this season. I, I guess. know
4: you were mentioning that that the baseball playoffs were showing such a different trend in terms of home field advantage. But I saw a stat last night that two years ago. I think home teams in the playoffs were sixteen and eighteen, so I think this stuff just normal. Yeah.
2: baseball, you mean?
4: Yeah, but that but that was your point that it was so different in baseball.
2: Yeah, it would just happen that particular series. Yeah, my Yankees, who are one game away from the pennant, Greg. I don't know if you're paying attention to that. Probably not. But um, I
3: mean, I'm aware of the final scores. I haven't been the <laughs> you know watching it.
2: The home team has <laughs> won the first um, five games of the ALCS, and the Yankees are six and zero overall at home. But anyway. Uh, I like the Yankees. Let's move on and talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. And the Seahawks are coming out of their bye. They're 3-2. and two. They're kind of a hard time team to figure out right now, but they do have uh, two straight wins going into their bye. The Giants, we just talked about it. They finally woke up and um, got a big win on the road in Denver. Uh, is it going to save their season, Mark? What do you think?
4: Well, I have an announcement. Oh, you do? Yes. I am boycotting any discussion of the Seahawks-Giants game. Wow.
3: Why? 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 I
0: prepare? will tell you
4: why. No, Greg. Because I do not respect the New York-based franchise choosing to playfully adopt the nickname Giants. I get it. For many, using the name Giants is nothing more than a tag attached to various football and baseball teams across the country. And yet, all the while, it completely ignores the culture of ancient Samaria which mingled not only with Earth-roaming Anunnaki giant beings, but also cunning extraterrestrial cultures to mesh Palladian, Persertion, and Elohim deep-space DNA strains with human beings, forever altering our genetic coding and, in effect, making us prisoners on Earth and subject to a silent, always-watching Big Brother in the Sky... At this point in time, we must come to grips with our disturbing ancient origins. Therefore, I am boycotting this New York versus Seattle game discussion in hopes that listeners will comprehend our new human reality.
2: Is is this what the Heat and Light podcast is?
4: I'm not discussing anything else during this segment.
2: Oh, oh! You're completely out on the segment. Okay, out. Um, all right, we'll come back to you then. Fair, uh, Greg. Your thoughts uh, about uh, the Seahawks? Let's start with. But right, it's
3: hard to pivot off of that. Yeah, because I'm wondering it's tough. what happened to the last six years of podcast. So we talked about the right. And then
2: anybody who's wondering, oh, Mr. Flame, he doesn't have an active role in the show. How will Mark go down those roads? Mark will find those ways. <laughs> he will find his ways down those dusty roads.
3: Uh, as as uh, to answer your question about the Seahawks, I mean, this is a great matchup for them I know no there was no reason we just talked about that to believe that the Giants would be able to run the ball last week there's no reason that to believe that they'll be able to run the ball this week against Seattle they're getting healthy I think on defense but it's slipped under the radar a little bit that Cliff avril has been out for multiple weeks and then he went on injured reserve with a neck injury he's considering retirement I mean Cliff Averill big deal might be the the number one most underrated Seahawk of this entire run. Like he could have won a Super Bowl MVP that year. Uh, he, him, and Bennett just kind of, to me, the guts of the, this defense, and Bennett, I don't feel like has been quite the same this year, and Averill's out for the year, so that, that's a pretty big time concern.
2: It, I wa- I'm a little, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm a little bit nervous that I missed that wide open window with the Giants, where they were <laughs> falling over themselves and finding ways to lose games, uh, and I know they still, they don't have Odell Beckham, so they're not a real... I mean, they are missing
3: their entire receiver. They're missing, this they shouldn't still, be that hard a time. Still a mess,
2: but here's, here's what I'm saying. The defense... Uh, which has been a huge disappointment for most of the season, finally woke up in Denver. And if they have another good game, uh, the Seahawks don't travel too well, especially the last couple of years. It's fair. Would I be stunned if this game is 10-7 one way or the other, midway through the fourth quarter? Not even a little bit. So I, I don't think this is an easy win for the Seahawks by any stretch, and I would not be surprised at all if the Giants won.
3: No, if they can get Olivier Vernon back, JPP finally had a big game. I mean, you would expect that this is a game Russell Wilson's going to have to do his like out-of-the-pocket crazy thing to, to make some plays. One final thing on the Giants is just that the receivers being gone are, is only going to highlight Evan Ingram more, but I didn't need the receivers to be gone to know that Evan Ingram is a, was a great pick and is going to be a really good Giant for a long time. Seems like a home run right there.
2: There you go. Uh, let's move on. And Now we welp- welcome Mark Sessler back to the Around the NFL podcast. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Very I well. thought
3: it was a little rude to smoke a cigarette you know, while we were providing an ounce. Well, it was, was my
4: time. It hard. was my personal time.
3: Let's uh, now move on
2: and talk about, ooh, this is one of my favorite games because I always like this matchup. The bad blood. Uh, there will be blood. Uh, I like all that <laughs> stuff. And the Cincinnati Bungles <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't like each other. And a lot of times everybody's like, Oh, these guys, these two teams, they don't like each other. These teams literally don't like each other. In fact, in the past few years, there's no matchup that elicits more personal foul penalties, roughing the passer, late hits, you know, Mike Munchak ripping a guy's dreads out, uh, concussions, <laughs> Bengals, running into tunnels. Bengals
3: screaming at their television, <laughs> Why did you do that, Marvin Lewis? God! Marvin
2: <laughs> Lewis is an idiot. What, what was that, Mark?
3: Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot.
2: Oh, that well, seems a little strong. That's
4: hard. Yeah, in our new media environment, not sure that I want to be tagged to that comment, but I did say it.
2: Anyway, I love this game because I really the Steel, the, the Cincinnati Bengals have a great great opportunity here to go into Pittsburgh and out of nowhere go from 0 and 3 to 3 and 3 and then be if things break the right way, mark a half game out in the NFC North before Halloween despite starting 0 and 3. This is a great opportunity.
4: It is, and I don't think they're going to get it done. I, I am so impressed with Pittsburgh's defense. And everyone talks about Ryan Shazier, and they should. But and I don't know if he's going to play because I don't think he practiced. But Vince Williams, their other inside linebacker, what a – that is a star duo right there. Guys like Mike Hilton week after week keep showing up on tape. They've got a lot. Finally, they've got depth on defense, and they're punishing. You saw it against Kansas City,
3: and I just don't like this scenario for Andy Dalton one bit. And it, to me, it starts for them with Cam Hayward and Stefan Tua. I mean, they were in Alex Smith's face literally on the first snap and then on the last snap. And those two guys who they've paid a lot of money to are – To me, kind of the reason this defense is so good, that guys a little bit towards the end of, not towards the end of their career, but right in their primes are playing the very best football they've ever played.
4: I also looked at what Le'Veon Bell did last week. I know he's had bigger games numbers-wise, but I don't know if I've ever seen him run Mm. as beautifully as he did last week. He had a major run called back. The most incredible run of the day was called back by penalty, but he is entirely rounded into shape again. I don't know if there was some, some rustiness early on. It's gone.
2: Martavis Bryant, who reportedly asked for a trade, then said that never happened. Uh, But either way, he has not been a big part of this offense, which I think has surprised a lot of people. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster.
3: He gets more snaps every He's week. getting more yeah. snaps
2: and he's been involved with them on a week to week basis. I'm looking for Big Ben to continue to kinda come out from that, that what is he called? He's got the old cowboys got a couple shingles left, something like that. What did he say? It was about that, you know, humor. This <laughs>
3: old cowboy's got a couple <laughs> shingles left. I think that was a Terry Bradshaw ad.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> I think he'll play well, is what I'm going to say. And I think Roethlisberger, um is not done, and I think he's going to play really well. I don't think Cincinnati gets this done. Let's pick this wow. guy. So
3: I, I do think the Steelers will uh, take care of business. Yeah, I'm more. with you, Pittsburgh. I think this is a tougher game for them. I mean, the, the Bengals are ranked third in football outsiders on defense. And Le'Veon Bell played played great last week, but I think that Ben Roethlisberger really didn't do anything different than what he's done all year. I kind of like the Bengals to get back in this mm-hmm. division. Mm-hmm. Race. Um, and one final note, Mike Mitchell, who had a uh, hit Alex Smith from behind,
2: he contended he was pushed uh, on a low hit on Alex Smith. This is when vi- going viral goes wrong. Um, I sent out a tweet during that game, like a slow motion replay that ended up being retweeted. Um, 3,500 times, got six 6,000 likes. Humble brag. Which, yeah, I would say, like, oh, cool. Way to be part of the conversation, bro. But it turned out <laughs> I got caught in the middle of this, like, fierce war between Bengals fans and Steelers fans that went on to this day all week. My mentions are <laughs> dead. And then it, it started with everyone. I sent it out, and I had an opinion when I put, that's about as dirty as it gets, Mike Mitchell. Initially, everyone agreed with me. And then the story started to evolve with Mitchell saying I was pushed. And then all the all the Pittsburgh fans started like burying me for being like a piece of garbage. <laughs> and and right. like you're some journalist It's like, bro, I just tweeted out a video with an opinion, <laughs> not journal work. Anyway, so a little a lesson. He did get fined, by the way. The it's league been a decided tough week
4: for you, Dan. We, we recognize that
2: the league uh, decided that he was dirty. Yeah. That so party. anyone
3: anyone arguing. Forty eight thousand dollar fine. Give me a break. He's lucky he didn't get suspended. Hey, and check out
2: his sizzle reel of past infractions. (laughs) This guy is not the cleanest player. Uh, Let's move on to Sunday Night Football. The rematch of Super Bowl 51, Mark Sessler. And uh, the Patriots are the home team, and the Falcons are going into this game you wonder where their heads are at after an outright collapse in the second half at home against the dolphins losing that game 20 to 17 after going into the half at 17 nothing are the patriots catching the falcons uh, in a moment of personal crisis
4: no oh, i mean that's that seems like we're going a little far there but it's like so depressing i think for falcons fans like some super bowl rematches if you're if you're the loser and you're flying high the next season and you can go in and Drop a bomb on the team that knocked you out in the Super Bowl. This Falcons team is coming off one of the Something's most off. disgusting losses. 17 nothing against the Dolphins, and the offense gets manhandled in the second half. I don't know. You let Jake Cutler beat you. I mean, it's not a must win. That's a bit strong. But if they lose this game, it's been a really rough 14 well, days. Something's for off. And
3: how do you put last year? They say last year's behind you, but no, last, it's not. In- last year's team was defined by losing fourth quarter leads. It wasn't just the Super Bowl. They lost a 17-point fourth quarter lead to the Chargers. They lost four fourth quarter leads. They lost a halftime lead at, at home this year to the Bills. So I think they got to a- they gotta prove themselves just to get the questions away. This is such a big game for them. The Patriots could lose this game and people will be all fired up in Boston about it, but ultimately I don't know if it matters that much in the long run. Totally it, different for Atlanta. And it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if Matt Ryan like I kinda put the over under in terms of Falcons points in this game at thirty seven. <laughs> like I, I'm expecting Matt Ryan to go up and down the field on this defense. Have we really seen that? From the Falcons this year? No, but we've seen it from basically every Patriots opponent. Right. Well, that's certainly fair. Um, but I do, I do definitely put stock
2: into some of the things that are going on probably in the heads of the Falcons just because that second half against the Dolphins, I couldn't get over it watching that game, the sacks, the penalties, the special teams miscues, the interception to end it. I a, mean, a
3: holding call to take you out of field goal. It was a yeah. lot of the Super Bowl. It
2: yeah. was it was like an instant replay. So, like, you never want to have a loss like that. But to have that loss and then the next game is it's the, arguably the worst loss in NFL history, certainly the lo- worst loss in franchise history. You just wonder where their headspace is at. I really, really – Uh, don't like the Patriots personally. I might have shared that on this podcast, but I really, really think uh, this will be a good Sunday night for the throne of ease.
4: This is tough for you. Atlanta, uh, you know, from a higher up thing, they played the Bills and Dolphins, two very good defenses. But now you're on the road, three straight games, starting with New England, then the Jets, the Panthers, then the Cowboys at home, and then Seattle on the road. It's a rough month for Atlanta. If you don't take this thing, I'm not sure what happens to them a month from now.
3: Their defense needs to get off the field, and this is a tough, you know, a tough offense to do it against. You know, Tom Brady. It's almost like we take it for granted right now how well he's playing. He, now that Rogers is out, he's. He's the best quarterback in the league. He's he's 40. And as someone who's watched all of his games, I think he's played as well since the start of last season through now than he than he did at any point. I never quite bought into the greatest of all time arguments until kind of the end of his career because his career is so different than anyone else's. Well, that's how he's separated. Himself. Right, that the back yeah. half has been better than the, the front half. Gr- Rob Gronkowski's not as explosive as he used to be. He doesn't get as open, but he's still just such a beast to deal with. He doesn't need to be open. And Wes's boy, Deion Lewis, I think if he's – available, well, he's probably not available in fantasy leagues at this point, but I think he's run really well, and he's going to be a big factor for the Patriots the rest of the season. Let's uh, pick this game.
2: I've already gone out and said I think the Patriots will win by double digits. What are your thoughts?
4: I think Atlanta is going to take this game. Really? Yep. I'm not, I, I, Of all the issues we just mentioned are there, but a little guy named Marvin Hall I think is going to have a big
3: play. <laughs> wow, another one. Yep. Marvin Hall. Uh, I've never – I don't know if you know this, Dan, but I have never picked against the Patriots on this podcast. I know you or haven't. anywhere else. Very smart.
2: And I want to say one last thing. And I know Josh McCown threw for three hundred yards last week. The Patriots had a bad first half. They really did put it together for the most part in the second half, That's and they were completely neutralized the the Jets' run game. The week before against the Bucks, well, they looked good against the Bucks on uh, defense. So. I mean, if you take out two, six of their last eight quarters, I feel like the Patriots' defense has shown signs of life. Uh, so we'll see if that continues. If it does, the Falcons could be in deep trouble. Uh, finally, Monday night football, the Washington Redskins travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Big NFC East showdown. Greg, you know I love NFC East football. reminds me of my uh, late grandfather, Poppy, sitting on the like, big brown couch with his root beer, <laughs> watching the Giants yelling at Phil Simms. Oh those then, were the good old days. So
4: he he his the rest of his family is AFC East
2: fans so come on this is the other side of the family. I, I, Yeah, there's no sense to get too deep into it. All right. But uh, Poppy loved the Giants. Rest in peace. Uh, he <laughs> would have loved to watch this game because it's a slobber knocker.
3: Yeah, and they played a really entertaining game in week one. Like the Dolphins and Jets, they're getting their season series out of the way early. We're getting another uh, game where John Gruden like co- gets very quiet whenever his brother makes a big time. Always uh, awkward. You got to enjoy that. Coaching mistake. And uh, I think the Eagles have to feel very good about the timing of this game. Jonathan Allen, the Redskins' first-round draft pick, is now out for the season. Josh Norman is very uncertain to play in this game. We don't know as we're taping this. They might be without Breeland. And Torrey Smith got deep against Washington a couple times, wide open, and Wentz missed them both times last uh, time they played. I don't think he'd keep missing him And I think the secondary is ready and ripe to be taken apart. I mean,
4: it's it's not something that I expected. But the Eagles feel like the favorites in the
3: NFC right now. Certainly in this division, I would say in the division. To me, they're just another team in the NFC. I know they're five and one, and they're and I like. I think they're going to have staying power, and I think they'll have a home playoff game. But I, I wouldn't put them up ahead of any of those NFC South teams or the Seahawks or anything like that. Or I even I mean, it's if, a watered down NFC at this point.
2: If if the Cowboys do what they should um, this week in San Francisco, and the Redskins go to Philly and get a win. NFC East is, is wide open, so I'm not. I think that Philly has certainly shown themselves so far to be the most balanced team, but we know how this stuff can shift as the season progresses. I mean,
3: this is a massive game for the Redskins because you would fall what two and a half games back, and you'll have already gotten swept in terms of the season series. You got Jay Gruden this week talking about Wentz, saying he thinks Wentz is already one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Quite frankly, I don't know how he got better so fast. I've never seen a, a quarterback progress at that sort of rate. Well, and and, he's, and I don't know how he got to Philadelphia. It's a little shot at your Browns. Well, okay, like I need you know, <laughs> okay, thank you.
2: Is thank it you, Is it um cuz I'm just curious, Mark. Is it Really frustrating when they have these primetime showcases and guys like Gruden can't stop. That was Jay Gruden, about,
3: by the way, not John Gruden.
2: That was Jay, and the,
3: yes, it is. But I, I would but, imagine. But I'd say be. at
2: this
4: point, and Wentz is the guy. Honestly, if I, it, I Deshaun Watson was never on my radar pre-draft because we're not draft guys necessarily, but Wentz was, and I really thought, thought that Wentz passing on Wentz felt like passing on Big Ben and. It's all playing out, to if you're a Browns fan, to an annoying script, but they deserve that criticism listen, right now.
2: Listen to Washington's schedule, by the way. I, I was just going to mention it. They're it's in crazy. a brutal slog, starting yep. at Philly in primetime. That stuff, home to Dallas is going to be a battle, at Seattle, home to Minnesota, and at New Orleans, which all of a sudden looks like a very tough game. And then you come home and face the uh, the Giants, which won't even be a gimme. So.
3: This this is there are no gimmies on that schedule and this is a big game for them. They've overachieved on defense and and now that they're missing a few players, I don't know if they're gonna keep doing it. And the and the real football heads that that study the film are very impressed with how Carson Wentz has been changing the plays and getting the team set up for a second year player. I think that's what Jay Gruden might be talking about there, that he's showing some of the ability of a veteran quarterback to get the team in the right plays and all that. That's a good sign.
2: And three straight games for the Eagles at home. So you got the Redskins, Woo! San Francisco, I, and Denver. They I are think, well set up. Right I, now.
3: I think this division could be
4: over by mid November.
2: So you are all in on the Eagles. Yeah, but that fly that, Eagles fly.
4: My predictor machine is like basically been <laughs> broken for
3: three years. Put that so. in your, uh, put that in your podcast cell. Sessler <laughs> NFC East over by November.
2: Um, okay
3: mid-November I bought myself a like, little that'll bit be the time. title of today's podcast <laughs>
2: uh, that is it for the uh, Thursday night edition of the Around the NFL podcast we will return on Sunday night with our flagship show uh, often imitated never duplicated uh, where we go over every single Sunday game including our friends in England oh Twickenham Stadium the Twick is going to be rocking.
4: Later start this time for this for this London game, which is a good idea.
2: Nice, very good. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you check out our NFL Pick'em show this weekend. Check your local listings. And also, haven't told asked that you guys this in a while, but we could use the iTunes ratings, uh, uh, five star ratings, and reviews. Uh, and maybe in a future show, we'll we'll read some of those reviews, have some fun with it. So, thank you uh, in advance if you can help us out with that. And uh, Let's go on. Oh, and the subreddit, the Around the NFL podcast subreddit. Check it out. Dan is signing off for Quiet Storm, Uh, the old boss, Fulton. Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. No, that's not going to work. Till Sunday. Lindsey Fulton.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, Com.